So I've had a couple requests, actually more than a couple, to talk about my experience with the difference between the discomfort and pain of being in a bad location or a moldy house versus the discomfort and pain of being in a clear location and detoxing and intensification and the waterfall of toxins and the discomfort of detoxing. And I'm going to start off by giving the short answer to the question and then give some more details later. And I want to thank Angela, who sort of brought this to my attention and made me realize that a lot of people are asking this question. Um, So the short answer is that this is easy. People think that there's some complicated um, recipe for telling the difference. And the reason is, this is really important, this is an important reason. The reason is that for all of our sickness, chronic illness, we've been doing crap that makes us worse, right? Everything we do has made us worse and is dis- is uncomfortable and has Herxheimer reactions. And I mean, everything, whether it's a sauna or a supplement or, you know, we're all just used to everything making us worse. And we're told that it's going to make us worse first and then we get better and that, you know, but, but it never happens, right? If it happened and we got better, we wouldn't be doing mold avoidance, right? Because we'd be healthy. <clears throat> so by definition, basically everything that doctors have given us has either done nothing for us or made us worse. And it usually has made us worse because one of the fundamental principles of mold illness is that we're full of toxins. And if you're not in a clear enough location, meaning you're not doing mold avoidance and you do a sauna or you do chelation or you do detox treatments, it's going to make you worse because your body has turned off detox on purpose I discuss why that would happen in my other podcast. I'm not going to go into it right now. And you're causing the, you're forcing the body to try to detox. And so it's just going to release a bunch of crap into circulation and your body's not going to be able to get rid of it because detox is turned off. So we come to mold avoidance and that's our paradigm. And we think, okay, so mold avoidance is just going to be just like that. We're going to feel like crap when we get to this pristine location And um, how do we tell the difference between that kind of crap versus the kind of crap that we feel like when we're being exposed to mold? So there's this question, I guess, that people have that is, how do you tell the difference? And it's, I would, I can almost laugh to myself at this question because it's so sad that people are bringing this paradigm. And I, of course, brought the paradigm too, right? Like, I mean, all of us did. That was what it was like to be... um, sick for so long and never have success but it's not that paradigm you guys basically i mean first of all many people don't even experience any so-called dumping or detox or anything in a bad location i mean i'm sorry in a good location but some people do but almost all the time it is a pleasant feeling being in a clear location induces euphoria and vitality and all of these other amazing symptoms. Think about it. Why would mold avoiders be so driven to stay in these locations to the point where they don't have shelter and they're sleeping in vehicles and they're, you know, enduring freezing temperatures and they're driving three hours for groceries, right? We are not doing this because we read a book. We are doing it because something deep 
deep down inside, in our very core, the very core of our being says, this is the right thing. This is the treatments that's going to work. We've already been through so many failed treatments that we didn't continue with. So this is why you see mold avoiders doing mold avoidance for two, three, four, five, ten years. Excuse me, I have the worst hiccups right now. We just went to pick up a new puppy and I ate so much garbage food on the drive on the way there and back, which is amazing that I can do that now. But anyway, I'm sorry if I have the hiccups. I don't have time to make these podcasts when all the stars align, so I just have to do them when I can. So we know that mold avoiders don't continue treatments that don't work, right? How many supplements do you have in your kitchen or your cabinet that you don't take anymore because they did nothing? Now you guys are going to yell at me because you're going to say, you're not answering the question, Ryan. What's the difference between the symptoms? You're missing it. I'm telling you right now. The difference is that the body, and I'm going to get into more details for you, but the difference is that the body wants to do avoidance. It makes you feel better, not worse, better. And even when I was detoxing, there's one particular location that we spent two months in. It was Dragoon, Arizona, and it turned out to be not as great of a location later, but early on, it was great for us. And I was dumping like crazy. And there are a lot of these signs of dumping, like they could be different for different people, but some of the common ones are um, just a lot of crap is flowing out of your system, Um, bile flow and, and even some liver pain sometimes and some other things. But it's a pleasant sort of feel good. The way I describe it is it hurts real good. Now I'm going to give you some examples of some other things that hurt real good. So you can kind of see what I mean. Have you ever had a good massage or your spouse comes up and rubs your shoulders and you're like, Oh, there's that one spot. I have a knot in my shoulder, push harder there. And even though it hurts and it's kind of like sore, it feels so good. You can feel the pressure and the tension relieving. You can feel your joints popping back into place. That's what the, the, the detox feels like. People just need to not focus on this whole thing about, you know, what does detox feel like? Because you just go to where your body feels good. That's basically mold avoidance. Go to where it feels good, leave where it feels bad. And have you ever mistaken a massage for something bad? No, no one ever would get a back massage and say, gee, I think this might be breaking my sternum and puncturing my spleen. Like nobody says that. There's a lot of other examples of this. Like when I would go on a mountain bike ride, this was, you know, let's say before you're sick or a normal person and you're going up a hill and it hurts your muscles and your muscles are sore. Nobody misinterprets that because it feels good. The endorphins are going, the blood is flowing, your body, everything's working as it should. Our bodies are designed to exercise. It makes us feel good. It's good for us. The detox that happens in mold avoidance is just like that. Your body is finally working like it should. And all of the signals, the hormones, the endorphins, it's its a relaxing, soothing, um, <clears throat> pleasurable experience to go through that detox. Now, if your liver's sore, it's going to be sore in the same kind of way that your muscles are sore when you're getting a good massage. And one of the problems I have with people asking me to go into so many specifics with this is it's just hard to describe what feeling good is. 
Like if you try to describe to somebody on a mountain bike ride, why does it feel good? What kinds of things are you going to say? You're going to say, oh, I just feel so much more alive when I'm on my bike. When I'm done with my bike ride, I feel <clears throat> tired and relaxed, but in a good way. I feel invigorated. I feel, um, you know, I'm more relaxed and my focus is better. My attention's better. My emotions are better. Um, my digestion is better. It's just every time I go on a mountain bike ride and I, everything's just better. Okay. What I just described is exactly the same as being in a good location. <clears throat> so rewind the podcast 30 seconds and listen to that again. It's exactly the same. There aren't any weird symptoms. It's just the body doing what it should. And that's why it's hard to explain this. And that's why you can't really list out individual symptoms. Individual symptoms of being exposed to mold and individual symptoms of getting clear of mold vary person by person. <clears throat> Subjectively, because we're all messed up by mold differently and subjectively because feeling good feels different and we would explain it differently. Some people would go on that mountain bike ride and they would explain it differently than what I just did. So if you go to a good location and you notice that your body is working properly, even if it's like a back massage where one muscle gets you know, a little sore because you're releasing tension, that's what it feels like. Now, is it possible that people can dump so much and have so much toxins come out that they get in trouble and they um, are in some kind of a crisis? I've never heard of that. I mean, I, no, I've actually never really heard of that. Um, I think that one thing that people do, and this is something that Simca often says, and I agree, is people get into this dumping phase or this detox phase and then they go off and they do a bunch of treatments either because they think they need the treatments or the treatments are going to make it go faster and that screws them up because the body when it's in in detox mode in a good location it's a very vulnerable thing detox it makes the body vulnerable so when you start taking binders and chelation and all this other stuff um <clears throat> it is it tweaks the body and it changes things and it's unreliable and it's unpredictable. And that's often what screws people up. But if you just go to the good location and you stay there often and you don't do anything, then usually the body just gets right back on track. Now, <clears throat> um, during my intensification period, after about 18 months or so, um, there was a period of time when I did feel like using a few treatments were beneficial, um, specifically some parasite treatments and some metal, heavy metal treatments because the parasites die and they release metals. And some people have, have gotten themselves into a lot more trouble with that where they um, have killed some parasites and the parasites release, release so much metals that they get themselves into trouble for years or months or something. I shouldn't say years because it's going to scare you guys, but you kill some huge parasite. But let me explain something very important and you, you need to listen to this very carefully. You don't have to do that. The parasite thing and the metal thing, I'm not even convinced that I needed to do that. <clears throat> the further you get along in mold avoidance, I'm just about three years, 
the more you realize that mold avoidance is doing all of the heavy lifting. So you can avoid those kinds of risks if you don't want to do that. The body is very intelligent and probably doesn't need any of those treatments. I don't know that for sure. Um, this is another whole subtopic. Someone on the forum was like, hey, you're not answering all my questions perfectly on your podcast. And I was like, listen, buddy, 30 years ago when Eric figured this out, there was no podcast, there was no books. He invented it, he discovered it, he figured it out. We have way more experience and information now than we did back when Eric was doing it, thanks to the work of people like Lisa, who has organized a lot of this and put it into books. But it's still a Wild West pioneering, unknown, ahead of its time area. So you got to change your attitude. You can't come to the group looking to be spoon fed all the answers. It is a steep learning curve. It is a paradigm shift. It turns everything you know on its head. And it's a hell of a lot of work and effort and studying and thinking and trying. And it's, it's a project. All right. You don't do mold avoidance on the weekends and think that it's just a side gig. Like it, it's all consuming. It's a paradigm change in how you live your life. So that's another thing is people want all these answers about detox before they just go and get clear and do mold avoidance. They're like, well, but I got to know everything. No, 99% of mold avoidance learning and success is hands-on learn by doing no matter how many of my podcasts you listen to and no matter how much I bend over backwards free of charge to answer everybody's questions on my podcast, it's not going to help you. You got to get out there. You got to feel a good location. You got to feel what your body is supposed to be doing. That detox switch flipping on. And then you go, oh yeah, I know what it feels like. It feels good. It feels like my body works and I'm not sick anymore. And that's great. And then that will motivate me to continue mold avoidance because I wouldn't do it if it was if I wasn't motivated because it's such a pain in the butt. So that's my answer to the question. <clears throat> You're not used to feeling good and you probably forget what it even feels like. So by the time you get out to a good location, by the time your body starts detoxing, um, you this question fades into the background. It's like your your body's working for the first time in years or decades. And all you want to do is climb to the top of the mountaintops and sing and tell all your friends and tell the forums what a miracle has happened to you. And sure, you're like, oh, man, there's a lot of toxins going through my liver. It hurts really good. Like it's like a satisfying my body is working. Everything is flowing type feeling. So if you still don't know exactly how you go about this, um, there's kind of two phases. This was at least the way it worked for me. The first phase is the crazy phase when you realize mold is causing your problems and you leave your moldy house and you are in this huge tailspin of selling your belongings and where am I going to live and do I want to do RVs or tents or find a rental house or an apartment and there's like this first year. Simka often says that the first year is kind of a write-off and I agree with him. It's like the first year there's so much chaos going on both inside your body and out that you you're healing and stuff but but it's just you don't really it's just craziness right and you still might experience what i talked about earlier on the podcast today you know the feeling good in good locations but it's just like you know everything's just crazy after that phase the next phase is what i call building mold avoidance skills 
And and listen carefully because I'm going to talk about what you guys are all asking, which is how do you tell the difference between detox and a good location, okay? This is what worked for me and what I always suggest people do. Do not focus on individual symptoms. Do not worry about your infections or your symptoms or your this or your that. Put all that on the shelf for now and do one thing. Find a mentor who will send you to bad locations. Don't bring your stuff because it might get contaminated. Travel light. And a mentor, the same mentor maybe, who will send you to good locations. And when you get to the bad locations and when you get to the good locations, note what happens. This goes into another podcast that I made earlier, which talks about the warning signs and the after effects of toxins. When you go to an empty location or a frat location, take notes. This is what it feels like when I get there. This is what it feels like when I've been there for a day. This is what it feels like when I've been there for three days. If you want to stay that long, you probably shouldn't because the toxins might hurt you, but you get the point. This is what it feels like after I've left. Those are the symptoms you care about. First, you know that you're being exposed to a certain toxin, and then you write down your symptoms. And trust me, it's weird. One of my MT symptoms... And again, I can't describe the exact symptom to you because it's different for everybody. It's weird. It's like my my circulatory system gets messed up, but I don't even want to talk about that because it's different for everybody. It's worse after I leave MT. It's like my body's in like recoil shock from being an MT. It's like a hangover almost. But I used to think that sort of like when I, that symptom came on, it meant that I was just going into a bad location. Wrong. I had just left a bad location. So... You need someone to guide you. I would have never picked this stuff up ever, no matter how smart I was, if someone didn't say, oh, there's heavy MT in this location. And, and I, you, you have to be able to make the leap of correlating what, the, what it feels like to be in the toxins and then taking note of those symptoms. Same thing with a good location. Simka, who was my mentor during this part of the process, sent me to some good, really good locations. And I was like, oh, this is what it feels like to be in a good location. And yes, I had already experienced some of the feel good experience, you know, but it was so helpful to go to good locations and go to bad locations. And this is what people really don't want to do. When they say, Brian explain everything to me when they post on the forum and they say they want to hear about symptoms, what they're really doing is they're trying to avoid this part of the process because it's easier just to sit on your phone at home and post questions than it is to do this. Now, why is that? Because mold avoidance is a huge disturbance and a huge pain in the butt to your life. You have to, in order to go to these good and bad locations, you can't bring a lot of belongings. You have to already have gotten relatively clear because if you go with all of your contaminated stuff it's not going to feel any different and I mean there's a lot of work that goes in you have to be sort of location flexible to be able to travel a little bit um and not everybody has to travel 50,000 miles you know you can do this in more you know specific locations if you don't have the money or the means to travel whatever I'm not going to go into I can't answer the question for every different situation that's out there but 
it's hard work. You got to do the work. You got to move your body into these locations. You have to find a mentor. It's a lot of traveling. At least that's the way that we did it. And that's the way that Simca did it. And that's the way that a lot of the moderators did it on the group. For some reason, the traveling piece just kind of works for people. Now, I'm not saying you can't do it and just stay in your hometown, but I personally don't really love that idea of staying in your hometown because by traveling and leaving, um, you, you, it's just better. You gain more skills and you might find out that you don't even want to live in your whole area because there's, it's, it's got MT in it. So that's how you tell guys. I wish I had a different answer for you. I wish I could say, well, you know, one time when I was clear, um, the way you could tell is that I had three pimples form on my forehead and everyone should just look for those three pimples. And then, you know, people, want the answers because they 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 don't they're not accepting this paradigm that's why it's hard because it's a different paradigm and i get it it was hard for me too i'm not blaming anyone i'm not saying anyone's different than me i struggled with this too but when i finally had breakthrough when i finally had breakthrough was when i let someone like simka tell me to go to different he called it my assignments he said, okay, Brian, today you're going to go to this, today you're going to go to that. And you know, in the beginning, I fought. I was like, I don't want to go. I'm tired. I don't want to go. I don't want to put miles on my truck and spend money on gas. And I, I don't I don't feel good. I don't want to go. But after a couple months of his assignments, <clears throat> I was begging for more. I was like, what's my assignment today? And Simka's like, dude, leave me alone. You're texting me too much. You know, I'm joking. He didn't say that. But but like, I was like, but I was like, I want my next assignment right now. Because... <clears throat> I started to have breakthrough and realize the importance and the difference it made in my health to recognize this stuff. It's a very specific approach, this kind of mold avoidance. It's you don't get to make it up as you go. It's a very specific approach. And I started to have breakthrough. Now, the first time that I went to some of these good locations, it was too early. And it was in my first year of mold avoidance and everything felt weird and off and bad. And I was dragging around toxins and I was dumping toxins out of my body, which is good, right? All of that is good. Like every time we had toxin explosions or I had to throw away sleeping bags or we, I self-contaminated my environment like that, looking back on that, like that was great. My body was finally dumping decades of garbage so much so that it was like contaminating my space. Like that was good right? Like that was my body getting rid of stuff and cleaning house. You guys are going to say, no, it's bad, Brian, because now I have to move out of my next house because I self-contaminated it or whatever. That's because you aren't accepting the new paradigm. The paradigm of mold avoidance is to have flexible housing and hotel rooms that you can ditch and move to the next one if you want to, or tents that cost $50 so you can throw them away if they get contaminated or you know, I mean, it's a paradigm change, you guys. This isn't something you do in your living room on your laptop. This is something that requires radical changes in how you think and live and move. And if you're like, yeah, you know what, Brian, I can't do that. Okay, fine, don't do it. We're just sharing the results that we got by doing it. I don't care if you do it. It doesn't matter to me, but it's given me my life back in miraculous ways that I can't even describe. And other people f- must feel the same, right? Because they keep doing it. Right, we don't keep the we don't keep taking those old garbage supplements that don't work, and that's easy. This is much harder, and we do keep doing it. So think about that. But I don't care if you do it or not. This is just the way it works. Like you don't get to make up the rules. This is just the way that it works. And this comes down to a theme that that Simka talks about a lot, and that I've sort of adopted, and that is 
personal responsibility. This journey requires commitment and personal responsibility. It's a hard journey. You really have to buy into it and um, get your own skin in the game. It's not like fixing a dishwasher where you can just watch a YouTube video and do it in 10 minutes. Like This requires you, your body, your mind, your soul to dive in. And the people that do that usually have these types of questions answered for them because they um, experience it for themselves. So I hope that answers the questions, guys. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else more specific that I can tell you. But, you know, we, we talk about the waterfall of toxins. People who are successful in healing with mold avoidance usually describe in one way or another how they experienced a waterfall of toxins. I think it was Angela who said that, or someone, I can't remember exactly, who said that they there were so much toxins coming out of them that, that when they walk down the street, they would self-contaminate. Their sweat <clears throat> would come out and self-contaminate. And I went through a phase like that too when I was in a really clear place that Simca sent me. My sweat <clears throat> would come out of my pores and it was almost like I wanted to take a shower every 10 minutes. And even that wasn't good enough. It's freaking intensification. It's crazy. I mean, so crazy. <clears throat> the body is in a fight for its life to get away from these toxins. But at the same time, opening those detox channels makes the body more vulnerable. So you're much more reactive to everything because reactivity and vulnerability equals healing. Like I talk about my podcast, intensification is what detox feels like. But it hurts so good. That's what I'm telling you guys. Even when you have to take a shower every 10 minutes because this waterfall toxin is coming out. Never once did I think, oh my gosh, this really sucks. I I, I should just go back to, to not doing mold avoidance. So do you see what I'm explaining to you? The inner health and vitality is what it feels like to detox. And sure, there's some discomfort along the way, but in a really, really pleasurable way. The whole thing is highly pleasurable. It's like euphoric almost, but not in like an artificial drug way. It's euphoric in like your body is finally kind of... Have you ever had your circulation cut off and then you finally get circulation back into your arm and it like kind of tingles and hurts and like you shake your arm. You're like, oh, that feels really weird. But then you feel the blood moving back in. You're like, oh, this feels good. My arm works again. You know, you never want to say like, oh, somebody sit on my arm again or, you know, cut off the circulation again, right? Like that's actually a really good analogy that I just thought of. Um, if you put a tourniquet on your arm, you can numb your entire arm so you feel nothing, right? But nobody wants to do that. We would rather have an arm that works and feels pain and gets scratches and, you know, gets sprained sometimes. Nobody's like, you know what? I got a scratch on my finger, so I'm just going to put a tourniquet on my whole arm. So that's what mold avoidance feels like. It feels like your arm circulation has been cut off for years and you've hated it. And every second of the day, you've wished that it would come back on and you doctors haven't been able to help you. And all of a sudden, mold avoidance, you feel the feeling coming back in your fingers and your arms working again. And sure, maybe there's like some tingly, weird feelings and you're like, ah, that's a weird sensation. But the overarching feeling is good. And that's why when people say, 
you know, all these questions. <clears throat> How will I know mold avoidance works? How will you know your arm doesn't have a tourniquet on it anymore? Maybe because it feels normal. Mold avoidance makes the body start to feel normal. Um, people say, so they say, how do I know that, you know, it works? How do I know if I need it? Well, are you sick? Yes, I'm very sick. I'm so sick. I can't even move. I've been this. Okay, fine. You're sick. Well, do you want to get better? Yes, I would do anything to get better. Okay. Well, would you consider going to a different location to try and see how you feel and, and see if you feel better? Well, no, I won't do that because I need, you know, what, what if this, what, just stop thinking. Simka often says, stop thinking. If you have the tourniquet on your arm and your arm is numb, you could really think a lot about that, couldn't you? But the only way you're really going to know if it is the right thing for you is to take the tourniquet off your arm and then see how it feels. So the mold avoidance sabbatical, that's the magic. That's the low commitment, easy way to test this out. Um, just about anybody should, could, hopefully will do a mold avoidance sabbatical. That's the test run. That's the test drive. Like you, you want to buy a new SUV, Ford Explorer, whatever. And you're like, you're like, you tell the dealer, you're like, I don't really know if I want to spend $35,000 on this car. And he's like, Oh, why don't you go take it for a test drive? Okay. So you sit in the car, you feel the seats. Are they comfortable? You know, you turn the steering wheel, you drive a little bit and you're like, Ooh, I, this is good. I like this. You know, that's how you buy the car. <clears throat> it's not by discussions with the dealer. Sure. Maybe you read the manual and you do your homework, but if you get in that car and it feels horrible and your head hits the ceiling and you can't see out of the mirrors and the gears are clunky, it doesn't matter what the manual said or what the online commercial said or what, Blue, you know, Kelly Blue Book said or what Consumer Reports said. Like you're going to buy the car if it works for you. That's the mold avoidance sabbatical. All of these questions could be answered with the mold avoidance sabbatical, which isn't technically totally true because when you're only doing a sabbatical, you're not out there long enough. You're not getting the deep healing, but the sabbatical is the clue. All right. Normal people who don't have mold illness are not going to have the crazy things happen that we talk about happening on a sabbatical. I often think about that, how weird mold avoidance is. I'm like, gosh, there must be something really important going on in my body if if these weird things are happening to me. Normal people go on vacations and they don't have weird things happen. I remember all the way back 20 years going on vacations and, and having even kind of weird things happen. Nothing substantial, nothing definitive because I wasn't paying attention and I wasn't really doing it right. But weird little clues. I even once went on a camping trip. This was before I knew about mold. I went on a camping trip and I came home and I felt a lot better. This is when I was like moderately sick <clears throat> to the point where I set up the tent in the backyard. My wife was like, what are you doing? I'm like, something's wrong with our house. I just don't feel good in there. I'm going to sleep in the backyard. And of course I didn't know then I slowly got remasked. It wasn't dramatic. Like it's normal to not have like an aha moment early on, even with a sabbatical. Sometimes it can just be clues. But if you have those clues, <clears throat> the rabbit hole goes deep. If you have those clues, listen carefully now. This is really important. If you take vitamin C and it makes you feel a little better, <clears throat> sorry, that rabbit hole doesn't go very deep. For most people, vitamin C might make you feel a little better. And then after a few days, the effect wears off and you're like, darn, I thought that was the magic cure. But the mold avoidance rabbit hole goes deep. If you 
do a little sabbatical and you feel a clue, even if it's not dramatic, that goes deep. You may find yourself six months, 12 months, 18 months, two years, five years, 10 years, still falling down the rabbit hole of getting your health back in an amazing, phenomenal way. So mold avoidance is different. The rabbit hole goes deep. The healing goes deep. Don't ignore the clue. Don't assume the clue is just like taking vitamin C and feeling better for three days and then moving on to the next thing. That was what I did when we were living in tents. I'm sorry, when we had gone camping and I came home and I lived in a tent in my backyard for a few days. I didn't realize how deep that rabbit hole went. I wish I would have because it would have saved me a lot of years. I didn't realize that that was a really big deal, that, that clue. So that's why mold avoidance can be frustrating for us to teach to other people because they're like, yeah, I went on a sabbatical and I felt kind of weird when I walked in my house, but now I'm going to go see Dr. Magic and he's going to give me supplements. And we're like, no, listen up. That clue, that clue goes deep. It's a clue that matters, but you know, it, it, it's hard to get people to buy into that. And that's okay. I can't change the universe. You know, it's not my goal in life. So if you guys don't get the specifics out of this podcast that you want, and you're even more mad at me, think of this like a introduction to a new university. You just got accepted to college. You show up on your first day and the president of the college gives you a, uh, introduction speech to the college. What you should be looking for in mold avoidance at this early stage, if you're a new mold avoider, is not specifics. There are too many specifics. It's just like um, if you, you know, hope that on the first day of college, you're going to learn everything that you would learn in four years. That's not how it works. He's just going to say, here's the business building. Here's the engineering building. Here's the cafeteria. You're just going to kind of get acquainted. That's like all I can do for you because the mold avoidance journey is very personal. It's you learning what it feels like to be in toxins and then you getting clear and learning what it feels like to be clear. It's, it's a personal journey, just like college. It's not something you learn in a podcast. In fact, you know, maybe this podcast is actually like doing more harm than good. Because like people are thinking that they can get use this podcast to um, be successful. It doesn't work like that. The podcast is a waste of your time. You would you would do much better to put down your phone, <clears throat> put down your laptop, drive to Walmart, <clears throat> get some new clothes, leave your belongings behind, and go on a test drive. Get to a clear area. Stay in a hotel. Don't bring your car. Rent a car. You know, and people are like, I can't do that. Yes, you can. You can do it. You know, all but the sickest or the most financially poor people can do it. It's not that bad. It's not that expensive. You know, you can rent a car for a few days, stay at a cheap hotel room, or if you can't afford that, go camping. Camping is 10 bucks a night or free on BLM land. That would give you so much more insight than a podcast would. Don't ask if you're, if you are, asking questions and you're frustrated about my podcast, which apparently some people are, that should be your clue right there that you're barking up the wrong tree. Don't look to my podcast for answers. Do mold avoidance. It's a do thing. And yeah, you are going to need guidance. You're going to need to say, 
hey, you guys, I drove through this thing and it made me feel really weird. What was it? Or, hey, guys, I think I'm finally ready to get really clear. How do I do it? You know, um, you, you. I'm not saying you shouldn't get guidance. Guidance makes a huge difference in mold avoidance. It's a huge mentorship situation, just like colleges, because it's a new paradigm. There's a lot to learn. So I'm not saying you shouldn't seek mentorship. I'm saying you should seek mentorship in the context of doing mold avoidance and it will all click for you. It'll all come together for you. You'll be like, I know what Brian was saying. I got to this pristine location and he's right. It, it, it was like, yeah, you know, maybe like I was extra tired, but it was the deepest, best sleep I've ever had. And it rejuvenated me on a core level. And I feel like a new person, you know, you'll be saying stuff like that. Whereas on the forums, you'll just say, wait, what do you mean you slept a lot? Does that mean you're still sick? You have chronic fatigue syndrome. You slept too much. But like if you're actually out there and you experience sleeping 12 hours in like a detox coma, we some people do this when they're doing mold avoidance. They have these detox comas. And they sleep for a long time. You'll experience the deep vitality that is returning to your body that says this is the right thing. And so that's what I'm trying to convey. And I'm sorry that this was a long podcast, but I really set off on this podcast to change how you think about it. Um, But for those of you who just want the cheat code and and are going to ignore me and say this podcast sucks, the cheat code is when you do mold avoidance, the way you can tell the difference between a good location and a bad location is it hurts real good. Or for, I mean, well, for 99% of people or a lot of people, they don't even experience, some people don't even experience this dumping or this detox. I'm talking specifically to the people who are obsessed with this question of detox symptoms versus exposure. Many people just go get clear and they feel better completely and they don't even have any of this stuff happen. But for the people who are curious or who are obsessed with the question of detox versus exposure, it's it, it the detox feelings are good you know it's like taking a dump i'm sorry i thought about using this analogy and i was like i'm not going to go there but i'm going to go there okay like if you have to poop really bad and you go to the bathroom like maybe even though it like burns a little bit or it, I, i'm sorry this is so disgusting but people are asking you said you said make a podcast about what it feels like fine I'm doing it. So shut up. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it's a relief to relieve yourself, to pee, to go to the bathroom. Like, no one's, it's a relief. That's what mold avoidance feels like. It is a relief. The burden of the toxicity. Actually, probably a bowel movement is a pretty good example because that's your body getting rid of toxicity, right? Isn't that what peeing and pooping is? It's your body dumping garbage, right? It's taking out the trash. That's what it feels like to get clear. You finally feel like this burden, this 800-pound gorilla that's been on your back for so long is getting off of your back. And that's all that matters. All of a sudden, you're like, damn, I do not want that bad boy back on my back. I do not want that guy back on my back. It's much better to have him off. And you start to say things like, this must be what normal people feel like, you know, like that kind of thing. So I hope that helps. I've just talked for 40 minutes and I'm still going to get hate and people are still going to say I wasn't specific enough and they're still going to want an online chart of columns of symptoms on one side for a pristine location and columns on the other side of the chart for symptoms of exposure. And maybe someone else will give that to you, but I never found that really helpful. It's it's It distracts you from what's really going on. 
Um, there are some good information sources on what exposure feels like. Uh, you do have to watch out for sneaky exposures because mold does weird things. It causes mold hold where people want to stay in the mold. It's like mold mind control. It causes... Some people even say mold, quote unquote, feels like home because you grew up in mold, your neurotransmitters, your chemistry, your hormones are kind of used to the mold. So it's like mold might feel like home. It might feel strangely familiar, but you will notice even if that you're going to say, oh, well, Brian, now, now you just confuse me because you, you said a minute ago that, that it felt good and vital. And now you're saying it feels like home and that sounds good too. Here's the difference. If you're one of those people where mold feels like home you will watch that when you stay in that location, your disease will return. Don't focus so much on what it feels like. Focus on your functionality, um, objective markers of functionality, energy, sleep, cognitive function, um, in <clears throat> symptoms of chronic infections or disabilities, right? Like people are like, I feel good in my mold home or like, I don't want to leave or, you know, I have this mold hold going on or it feels like home. And they're like, I'm like, can you, can you work? They're like, oh no, I can't work. I can't even get out of bed. I can't even, you know, spell my name or write an email. I'm like, okay, then maybe that's bad, right? So that's another comment I would have on good location versus bad location or exposure versus pristine detox. Focus on functionality. People who are bedridden, with chronic fatigue syndrome, I never really had chronic fatigue syndrome. My thing was Lyme disease, which makes this whole topic even more mind-blowing and interesting, right? That mold avoidance fixes Lyme disease and chronic fatigue syndrome, even though the medical establishment thinks those are two totally different problems. Hmm, maybe they have the same root cause. Do, 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 do. Maybe mold actually causes a lot of stuff, including Lyme disease and chronic fatigue syndrome, and those are just labels for different ways that the body handles mold. Wow, now we're getting somewhere, hmm, which is what I do think, by the way. Um, I have a YouTube video on how mold causes, is the root cause of many seemingly different illnesses like Lyme disease and chronic fatigue syndrome. That's That can blow your socks off another day. But when I would get to a pristine location, well, a lot of people, people with chronic fatigue syndrome, they get to a pristine location and three days ago in their moldy house, they couldn't even walk. But now they get to a pristine location and they can hike 10 miles or they can walk whatever their baseline is. It's different for different people. But I do hear from a lot of people that they can hike 10 miles all of a sudden magically. 10 miles or two miles, whatever. Whereas before they couldn't even lift their head. And then they have the gall, not the gall. They have the audacity to ask how do I know I'm in a good location? I'm like, um, didn't you say that your main complaint was that you couldn't get out of bed and now you can walk three miles? They're like, yeah, but my liver hurts. I'm like, seriously, you just cured your disability in two days and you want to you want to talk about liver pain? Like, who cares about the liver pain? Functionality. Does my brain work? Does my body work? Does my digestion work? Does my emotions work? You know, those are the kind of things that change in a good location. Now, you're going to say, <clears throat> well, does that mean I'm cured if I go to a good location and I can walk? No, sadly, it doesn't. Because 
it takes years of doing mold avoidance to get to a place where that is sustainable and reliable and the body is detoxed. That's just one of the first clues. If you go to a different location and your most problematic disease symptoms abate and you can walk more than you normally can or you're, you know, that kind of stuff. Those are really important clues that your body's on the right track. Now, pretty soon intensification is going to hit and you're going to be like, but now I'm way more reactive to mold and I went back to my moldy house and I can't even be in it, Brian. This ruined my life. Now I can't even be around any mold at all. And you know what I'm going to say? Sorry, I didn't make up the rules. Mold really screwed you up and this is the way to get out. You have to go through intensification. It's, it's a hard process. You still feel better. You still get those signals that your body wants more, but it's weird. And you're like, dang, now I react to the tiniest bits of mold. What happened to me? And hopefully if you get through intensification on the other side, that goes away. But again, I didn't make up the rules. Now, how do I even know what the rules are? <clears throat> well, because I'm lucky to have had nice, smart mold avoiders do this before me, write books about it and tell me, hey, Brian, my mold reactivity maxed out or peaked at 18 months. And so I'm like, oh, 18 months, that's a really long time. And that's exactly what happened to me, by the way. My, my peak of intensification was 18 months in. Like that was when I was most reactive to mold and my body really did not want to be around mold at all. And I'm like, wah, 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 I don't like that. 18 months is too long. That's not fair. I hate you. I hate mold. I hate mold avoidance. I hate the forum. I hate the groups. <clears throat> Sorry, buddy. We didn't make up the rules. Your body has been living in too much mold for years or decades, and it's going to take a while to get better. And it might feel a little bit weird because mold is weird. Okay. Like, is that really surprising to you that <clears throat> it's going to take your body uh, 18 months of weirdness to recover from decades of debilitation and illness that was so bad that you told me that you were saying goodbye to your family and you thought you were going to die? Like, what do you want? You think we're Harry Potter and we have magic? What are you expecting? What do you expect? You know, you're in bed. You can't move. You're sick. You're saying goodbye to your family. What do you expect? You expect magic, a perfect, easy answer? Like, you're lucky that you even have the opportunity to do mold avoidance. Stop complaining and get on your knees and thank your lucky stars that you're one of the few people in the planet that has long-term debilitating chronic disease that you have a second chance at life. Like go tell that to a stage four cancer patient. You know, let's see, like if, if mold avoidance could cure cancer or could cure, you know, Parkinson's or something that like these horrible like degenerative diseases, you know, <clears throat> see if they wouldn't trade you go go sit next to a dying cancer patient who's in the ward in the cancer ward he's um saying goodbye to his family he's got a tumor the size of a grapefruit in his in his liver or whatever and go tell him say you know what i'm really sick too and i have this chance to do this thing called mold avoidance but i don't have enough money and i um i can't really do it and see if that cancer patient wouldn't jump up and change spaces, change trade places with you in a heartbeat. Just the chance to do it. And even if you're poor and you are stuck in bed, do the best you can. You know what I mean? Like I, I realize people are limited by physical disabilities and money. <clears throat> I'm not trying to make light of that. I'm trying to change your perspective, make you grateful, give you some gratitude. It requires gratitude, you guys, to make it through this process. It is a major 
um, journey. And if you don't have that kind of gratitude, you're just going to suck at it. You have to have gratitude about it. You have to go into it um, being grateful that you have this opportunity to heal and making the best. We all, mold avoidance is hard for everybody. Unless, I always say this, I always joke, unless you're Will Smith and you have $100 million and you can just buy properties to go heal on and be left alone, like it's hard for all of us. I could tell you some stories. I have been destitute, <clears throat> you know, depressed beyond belief during mold avoidance and not because of mold symptoms, just because it's so hard. People tell you you can't live in your RV. They have camping limits at campgrounds. You're healing at this great campground and they tell you you have to leave because you've been there for 14 days whatever you run out of money but like you have to change your perspective um one person once told me when i was whining because i was a first year mold avoidance student i was a freshman <laughs> i'm gonna call it freshman now like the, to go with my college analogy i was a, i was a freshman mold avoider i was like wah wah but i have housing instability wah and this person told me more experienced mold avoider they were like dude you're getting your life back like that should be all of a sudden what you value and what you're grateful for. And you start to think in those terms, you know, you really do change your perspective. Like I've, I've had to do crazy things. Like I've slept at truck stops, like hundreds of nights, like not with my family. Most, a lot of, I was the sickest one. Some parts of mold avoidance. I was like, you know what? This is just too crazy. And I would get my family an apartment and they would live in an apartment for six months <clears throat> And I would visit them, whatever. But like, I, I'm not just so you know, I like didn't my family didn't do a lot of the crazy stuff with me. But like when I was going through really bad intensification, um, I couldn't sleep anywhere and I couldn't find campgrounds and I would go sleep in the back of my truck at a truck stop. And at first I was like, this really sucks. But did you guys know that even now that I'm three years in and even now that I have more stability. And even now that I'm not as reactive because my intensification has died down. And even now that I have a lot more mold avoidance skills and I have secret campgrounds that I can go to that are good enough for me. I had to sleep at a truck stop <clears throat> a few weeks ago for a whole week. No, my family wasn't there with me. People give me hate because they think I'm dragging my family. My family actually didn't go on that trip with me because they were in a rental house. But I had to do it because I was exploring a new city, looking for a place to settle. And I didn't want to stay in toxic places because I wanted to stay clear, right? You can listen to my podcast on this, on my, my big trip that I took to find a place for us to settle, which had mixed results, by the way. But anyway, and I was in this new city and I was like, I really want to sleep somewhere that I know is clear so that <clears throat> I can be clear in the mornings and go look at properties and stuff. And I slept at a truck stop, a love's. You know, there's loves, there's flying J truck stop. It's a great thing to sleep at a truck stop because first of all, you're on private property. So the, the government doesn't really care about you. You're on loves or flying J or whatever. And second of all, they want you to be there because part of their business model is to get travelers and truckers to sleep or nap on their property so that they go in and they buy food and they pay for gas and whatever. So you're welcome there. Now, if you tried to live there full time, they would probably say, get out of here. But you're more or less, you're welcome there. So now I have a different appreciation for that. When I was at this Flying J truck stop or this Loves, I forget which one it was, I love those places. I have like this nostalgia for those truck stops because I healed so much. I got so much of my life back there. But do you see the attitude difference between first year mold avoidance where I was like whining and it was horrible and I couldn't believe I was sleeping in a truck stop, whatever, 
now I'm like, ooh, I get to sleep at a truck stop. That means I won't get kicked off by a camp a park ranger. It means I'm welcome there. You know, the truckers are nice. They're just like doing their job. They're like, whatever, high-fiving each other. I love sleeping at truck, truck stops. I have zero complaints sleeping at truck stops. Now, of course, it's not sustainable. It's not a place you can live. But that's not my point. My point is that I underwent an attitude adjustment that I was privileged to be able to get my life back. <clears throat> and that's the kind of attitude adjustment that will help you answer the question, what's the difference between detox symptoms in a good location versus exposure symptoms? You'll go, ooh, goody. I get to go explore this. I don't know the answer to that question. I'm going to go find myself a mentor and go to some different locations and give this a shot. And you know what? I'm really grateful that I even get to do this at all because I thought last week that I was dying. You know how quickly we become entitled, right? Like I think about this sometimes. When I was dying in mold in my moldy house, I told myself and I told my family, I would do anything to get out of here, anything. <clears throat> but then like six months later, I'm like, wah. I have to sleep at a truck stop. I'm getting my life back, but wah, 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 wah. I don't like this. Like you have to change your whole perspective. <clears throat> People, you know, I have a friend <clears throat> who lives in, they live in a pristine, pretty pristine location and they live in a canvas tent instead of like a real house. And people are like, how can you do that? It's so bad. <clears throat> and my friend is like, are you kidding me? Like I was going to die a year ago and now I have my life back, you know, and not that everybody has to do that forever. By the way, I don't want to scare people because from what I can tell, I'm only three years in, but from what I can tell, most of the mold avoiders who I talk up to who are, <clears throat> you know, four five, six, seven years in or whatever, they eventually, most of them can return to a lot more normalcy. Many of them do live in normal houses. I don't know, you know, I don't have all the answers, but for whatever reason, this person lives in a canvas tent right now at the moment, and they're really grateful. So you have to change your attitude. You have to get grateful for things. And I know it's so hard. You know, people told me to be grateful early on. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, my life is so screwed up right now. All my belongings, my money, my job, my family. I can't, you know, it, it does feel, it is kind of screwed up. But again, I didn't make up the rules. This is just the rules. Okay, guys, I could talk longer. It's getting to be close to an hour. You guys are tired of listening to me. I'm tired of talking. <clears throat> I don't really know if I answered your questions or did a perfect job explaining this. I always tell people who complain, you know, that they don't like my podcast. I'm like, you know what? First of all, you don't have to listen to my podcast. I make this podcast largely for myself because I have all this knowledge and skill now in mold avoidance. And I'm, and I just like, feel like I have to write it down somewhere. It's kind of common, right? Like people who learn something, they want to share it. Many people who write books, just have learned something they want to share. So first of all, I don't really care if you listen to my podcast. Second of all, if you know of a better place to get information or you can do it better yourself, it's not going to hurt my feelings if you say, this sucks, I'm going to go somewhere else. I don't really care. I'm just sharing with you what I have learned. And one of the things that I have learned is that the rules of the game that were explained to me by my mentors are very reliable. And I look at people like Eric, Lisa, Simka, whoever, people who were were had instrumental roles in my healing, whether it be, you know, mentorship or reading books or whatever, or in Eric's case, inventing this whole thing. Um, 
I'm very grateful. And I, and I think that the more that I do this, the more that I find what they say to be incredibly accurate and reliable. That doesn't mean I'm going to love every minute of it. It doesn't mean that it's easy. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to whine. It doesn't mean that there's always an easy answer to every question. It's just accurate and reliable and true. And my health is so, I'm a different person than I was. Like, Someone once asked me, they were like, what are your favorite Bartonella treatments? And I used to have really bad Bartonella. I think Bartonella was one of the infections that the mold made it really flare up. And this is also one of the reasons why we don't really talk about symptoms because mold might have made my Bartonella flare up, but it might have made your Epstein-Barr virus flare up. And therefore, when we go to pristine locations, my Bartonella dies down and your Epstein-Barr dies down. And so when we talk about symptoms, what are your symptoms in a pristine location? It's going to be gibberish and nonsense because we're so different. Mold weakens the immune system and whatever opportunistic infections you happen to have going on, those are the ones that you're going to feel in exposure. Whatever opportunistic infections you have going on, those are the ones that are going to abate when you are in clear air. That's a little bit oversimplified, but more or less it is true, folks. So you're not going to find easy symptom answers. But I am grateful to the people and the mentors in the system because I, someone asked me like, what do you do for Bartonella? And I'm like, holy moly, I remember my Bartonella protocol. Oh my gosh, it was so elaborate just to not die every day. And I had to do so much stuff. I did bee stings, hundreds of live bee stings on my back. And it did help, but it wasn't, it, it was just like a Band-Aid. And I did, oh my gosh, so much stuff. The one therapy that I actually do think for my own body was pretty compatible with mold avoidance is 10-pass ozone. That was one that was like jiving with my mold avoidance, not going against it. But I still don't necessarily suggest that you do it because maybe that was because I had like Bartonella or something and you have Epstein-Barr and it's not going to work for you. That's why mold is so fascinating because it, it, is, it lets opportunistic problems wreak havoc in the body. And then people are like, you couldn't possibly. How are you, how are you saying, Brian, that mold is the root cause of chronic fatigue syndrome and Lyme disease? That's a quite, a big, quite a big claim to make. How do you know that? Well, if mold has been suppressing the immune system in very important and special ways for decades, then the person who has smoldering underlying Epstein-Barr and the person who has smoldering underlying Lyme disease or Bartonella may have different symptoms and different outcomes, right? So do you guys see how I am answering the question about detox symptoms in a good location versus exposure symptoms in a bad location? It might depend on what your infections are or what your lowest, maybe your kidneys are your detox hang up and my liver is. <clears throat> maybe... Genetically, you have a weaker neurological system and I have a weaker um, circulatory system. And therefore, all of these systemic issues are going to present differently in different environments. Oh my gosh, I finally got to the articulate phrase at the end of the podcast. I just hit the nail on the head, boom. And I'm under an hour still, boom. Okay, I'm gonna stay under an hour because I'm going to leave you my disclaimer now. I've touched on a lot of medical stuff. Please know that I am not a doctor. I am not, I don't play one on TV. I am a journalist. I've written books on Lyme disease that have sold tens of thousands of copies, but I'm still not a doctor. <clears throat> I'm just a person who's used mold avoidance and who is grateful for the people who taught me this stuff. So I'm not a doctor. If you need medical advice, please go see a licensed physician. 
do not look to this podcast for medical information. This is for informational and educational purposes only. Hope you guys all have a great day. Hope you guys get to your goals in life. And if that goal might be health, then I wish you the best of health.